Event evangelism. What comes to your mind when that term is used? Some people look at them and say, are we seriously still trying to do event evangelism? And then some people say, we've got to do event evangelism. Well, you tuned in to an awesome podcast today. I'm Dr. Levi Skipper, Evangelism Catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and you're listening to No Sweat Evangelism, my podcast designed to help you make sharing your faith a priority. Hey, I'm super excited you're with us today. We have a very special guest in the house. His name is Steve Foster. Steve Foster, say hey to everybody, if you will, real quick. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, pumped you're here. I want you to know, by the way, Steve Foster has been a huge encouragement in my life personally. When I first started pastoring, I was 23 years old. I was at Ewing Road Baptist Church in Austin, Georgia. And one of the individuals that reached out to me and was a source of great help was none other than Steve Foster. So I'm pumped that he's on the team here with us at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. He's doing phenomenal things. You know, Steve wrote a blog recently just simply called Making Your Events Evangelistic. But before I jump into just a list of questions, Steve, tell everybody, do you think event evangelism still works? It does still work. And of course, the most impactful event we have as Southern Baptist is Vacation Bible School, which is event evangelism. So yeah, it works and very impact. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, let me just ask you a few questions just based on some of the things that you've put together. Uh, first of all, you kind of mentioned the domino effect. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the domino effect real quick, if you don't mind. The domino effect is the Georgia Baptist evangelism strategy. It consists of what we call dominoes. Seven dominoes are really seven biblical principles Domino of prayer, uh, pray for lost people by name. Domino of the Sunday morning experience, make uh, sure that you know people are coming, that we have an expectation. Domino of personal evangelism, domino of event evangelism, domino of service evangelism or, or ministry evangelism, as some people like to call it. Domino of team evangelism, that we weave evangelism through all of our small groups, Sunday school small groups. The domino of baptism uh, making baptism a celebration, making baptism a huge event and deal. That's right. So tell me this, when it comes to event evangelism, because I know that's the domino you focused on, how does event evangelism contribute to building a culture of evangelism in the local church? Let me say this. The, the New Testament church was birthed in event evangelism. In Acts 1, there's a 10-day prayer meeting, and as soon as they get filled with the Spirit, they leave the upper room, and we don't know how many people Peter preached to. It was a huge crowd because when he gave the invitation, around 3,000 people came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so the New Testament church was birthed in evangelism. And, of course, Jesus uh, did all kind of event evangelism. He preached to huge crowds, uh, feeding feeding the 5,000 and so on. That was after he preached to a crowd. So uh, it's all through the New Testament, all through the Old Testament. And I would say this about event evangelism. Event evangelism, out of all the dominoes, it's probably the easiest way to impact your church because it overcomes what I call the obstacles of evangelism. When you think about doing evangelism, and, and all pastors and church leaders know that when you think about building a culture of evangelism, it's one of the one of the most difficult things you'll do. In fact, you can thank your evangelistic this month and you're where you should be. If you take your eye off the ball of evangelism, it, you'll quickly go downstream and not be evangelistic anymore. And the, the obstacles I see, there's a lack of prayer. Uh, people don't pray for evangelism like they should. Well, when you have an event, 
it gives a person a hook and an opportunity because, for example, if you say vacation Bible school is in three months, let's begin to pray. Uh, you you can pass out a, a sheet in your, your your message series or your worship folder, a uh, list of five names you're praying for, coworkers, next door neighbors, family members, and so on. So it overcomes a lack of prayer. It overcomes a lack of ownership. Uh, you get people involved in event evangelism. For example, Vacation Bible School, uh, because people are serving refreshment, because people are teaching, because people are leading recreation, there's an ownership. And so there's an incentive to walk across the street and invite the neighbor neighbor's kids to come. And the same thing is true of a lady's tea. Same thing is true of a law game dinner. Uh, there's a uh, an ownership. It overcomes that lack of ownership. And then we don't do much evangelism in churches because there's a failure to build bridges with lost people and be intentional. And so if I have a, uh, a women's event and I decide to weave evangelism through it and I get everybody on board and I make sure they understand the purpose of this is not just a fellowship. We are going to fellowship, but the ultimate purpose is to invite people who you know in your circle of influence needs to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and to be intentional about inviting them. It just gives people a hook to say, hey, come to Vacation Bible School. Hey, uh, come to our men's uh, fellowship breakfast. Hey, come to our ladies' tea and so on. So it overcomes those obstacles, and it's easier to get people to invite people to an event than it is to actually get them to walk across the street and witness. We ought to do both, but event evangelism, you get a lot of bang for your buck. Well, it's a good, easy on-ramp to really teaching a person how to be evangelistic, right? So they get comfortable inviting folks to a particular event, and then what you're doing as a result of that is you're getting them into the conversation with people, and then you're showing them how to transition to actually share the gospel with those people. So, you know, I, I love what you said. You, you've mentioned a ton of different uh, ways that you can do event evangelism. You mentioned ladies' teas. I, I know you go to a lot of those. That was a joke. All right. So anyway. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> what yeah. are some, like currently, I know you're in the field, just like a lot of our evangelism consultants. What are some events that churches are doing right now where they're reaching a lot of lost people uh, that you hear about? Across the state, I hear a lot about sportsman banquet, or some people call them wall game dinners. Vacation Bible School, again, is the is the top, I think, event, uh, evangelism that we do. Uh, men's breakfast, uh, dinner, block parties, ladies' Christmas tea, you do one one day harvest event, uh, uh, even things like recovery classes, which can be an event if you do it right, where you invite a lot of people. Uh, Valentine banquet, disciple now weekend, and the key is, you some people have these quote events, and they will say we don't ever see anyone saved. That's because the intention is oftentimes a fellowship time, or it's more of an inside church event than it is to. Uh, actually get lost people there. And I'll give you one example. When I pastored, we had a number of events that were really uh, large as far as the attendance. No one was getting saved because we weren't intentional. I'll give you an example of one. But every three months, uh, our men would have a Saturday men's breakfast. And there might be 150 men come. And uh, it was a great fellowship time. And after the first time I went to one, I left thinking, what a wasted opportunity we, we, we didn't do anything wrong. We fellowship. There was someone who taught uh, a small, short devotional Bible study, and it was biblical. But I thought, you know, there's probably some lost men here. And then I began to think, but what if we were intentional and we actually encourage our 
committed Christian men to invite some of their friends. And so uh, doesn't doesn't take a big budget since I was in the Atlanta area. Uh, we just reached out, got uh, Mark Rick, who's coaching uh, University of Georgia, got his brother-in-law, who's a chaplain, to come out and speak, which that's a hook. Hey, invite your friends. Chaplain of the University of Georgia is going to be here. Uh, we gave away some footballs uh, that Mark Rick had signed. Didn't, he didn't charge us anything to do that. And the chaplain, we made sure he understood, if you don't do anything else this Saturday morning, we, we, we don't care what you talk about, but when you end, we want them to know the gospel story, and we want a strong invitation. Of course, we had some people saved. And uh, we, you, just, you just tweak your events to say, no matter what we do, Let's make sure that we're presenting the gospel to, uh, to people. There's always essential elements that need to be followed in making those events evangelistic. You've kind of alluded to some of those, but for those who are listening right now, throw, throw a few things out here. What, what do we really need in order to have an evangelistic event? What is absolutely essential? To have a harvest event, there's three things that you have to have. First of all, lost people must be present. And sometimes when you when I teach this, like in a group of, of pastors, somebody will chuckle and say, well, of course, Levi, you know this because you, you do harvest events, and I do harvest events. I have often went to harvest events. In fact, I, I have flown to other states. Uh, they, they flew someone in to do music from some other state besides Georgia and say we went to Texas. I'm assuming the cost of flying us in and what they paid us, they spent some money. And it's amazing sometimes they do everything right except it's nothing but home people there. In other words, there's mm-hmm. just church people. And I'll give you an example. Not too long ago, I was preaching, and uh, the pastor, when he asked me to come, he said, we really want to have a harvest day. And after he got through talking, I said, kind of like a, just a Billy, you, you want just a Billy Graham day. You want me to preach a simple gospel. He said, absolutely. And so at that event, when the singing was going on, I looked around, the room was packed out, and so I whispered to the pastor, and here's a guy, sharp guy, young pastor, a doctor of ministry and church growth. I mean, I mean, he's everything is covered. He's a sharp guy. I said, hey, pastor, uh, you see a lot of folks here you don't know. He looked around and said, no, nah, it looks like home people here. Of course, my heart sunk. I know church people can be lost, but I was hoping he'd say, man, there's a lot of folks here that I don't know. And I was really hoping he might say, and there's some people I see here that we've been praying for, man, they're lost because that's when you see a harvest. So lost people must be present. Second, the gospel must be presented with clarity. Uh, when I was a pastor, I would go back to, say, a wall game dinner. We, we'd have a huge wall game dinner, sportsman banquet. Occasionally, we got in a well-known speaker. Well, they, they were always pretty well-known because of ours was large. Some of the well-known guys did a great job of an invitation. Some of them didn't, so I learned to set up close. And if for some reason I saw the guy closing and he didn't really give a good invitation, I, I didn't embarrass him. I would just walk up and say, man, that was awesome. And let me tell you what you need to do. Because if you don't tell people what they need to do, they don't know what to do. And I'll give you an example. The preaching of Peter in Acts 2, they got under such conviction, they said, what must we do? Well, Peter didn't say, I don't really know, or come back next week. He, he clearly told them, here is what you need to do. So uh, the gospel must be presented with clarity. And then there must be an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And I would say this, think through the logistics of your invitation. If, if I have a perfect environment for me, uh, this is not right or wrong. I like a come down invitation. I love a come down uh, 
But I will say this. I'll go back to my law game dinners. We would have eight 900 people in our uh, fellowship hall, dining hall, seated about 1,000. It, it was large. Uh, when you put tables in there that many people, it was not really uh, conducive, conducive for, for people to come down. That's okay. But we made sure that there was decision cards and pens at each table. And then what we did, uh, we asked a question, too, that had nothing to do with salvation, about the event, the quality of the event, and we, we, we primed the pump by letting some of our uh, mature men know when we go into the invitation and ask you to fill out a card, go ahead and fill out a card. But we don't really need your card, but it, it primes the pump. Uh, and I'll give you an example about logistics. Uh, this is my second time with the state convention. The first time I did some training at the what we call the Youth Evangelism Conference back in those days. And uh, the first time I went in, I asked, you know, how can I help? What can we do? One of the, uh, the obstacles that Scott Kending, who used to work here, told me, he said one of the problems with the Macon Coliseum is it's built in such a way when we get 18,000 people in there, it, it's hard for them to come down. And I'll just say this. You don't have to be smart to do this, or I couldn't do it. I saw Lu- Luis Palau do this, so I said, well, why do they have to come down? They said, what do you mean? I said, what if we trained our counselors and made sure the speakers knew that when they present the gospel, let those who make decisions just raise their hands and said them coming to us, we'll go to them. But I'm just saying, at least think through it so you won't be caught off guard. No, that's super good, super good. So when you think about a pastor or a church leader uh, really trying to engage in effective event evangelism, uh, what are just give us top two steps that they need to take. And, I, and I'll say, just prefacing this, I mean, I love what you said. Lost people have to be present. Yeah. That makes good sense. The gospel needs to be presented with clarity. And even if you have somebody who's there that's kind of a crowd getter, so to speak, so maybe you're interviewing a football coach or something mm-hmm. to that effect, he may not be a harvest guy. So you need yeah. to have somebody mm-hmm. coming up after him and sharing the gospel uh, very clearly and then giving an opportunity, right, to respond. Yeah. So we've got those three things in the mix. What are a couple of priorities a pastor needs to take as he thinks about effective event evangelism? I would say be very organized and planning. And I'll just say this. No pastor on a Monday would say, why don't we have vacation Bible school next week? It's too huge. We have to have people on board. But Levi, I often have people call me maybe in August and say, hey, you got the second Sunday of uh, of September open. We're going to have a revival meeting. And they're talking about two weeks later. I'm like, well, I don't have it open, but if I did, you wouldn't want me to come because there's no preparation. So be organized and planning. And uh, I would say this, and this kind of sums it up, Make sure you build a team. Do not do this by yourself. Just like you wouldn't do vacation Bible school by yourself, build a team and and make assignments. Have a system of accountability to make sure the assignments are carried out. And then this is key. When the event is over, have one more meeting and debrief. What do you think we did that was good? What do you think we did that we could do better? Once that meeting's over, have a time of prayer. Thank everybody. But put all that in a notebook, and next year as you begin to prepare for that event again, pull that notebook out and tell, it could be some of the same people, but tell that new team, here's what we said last year that we did well, here's what we thought we could work on, and then brainstorm, and and hopefully you'll have a better event. And the last thing I'd say is this, when you have an event as a pastor and you say this is the first time we've ever had a harvest day, you're going to make some mistakes. If you've been having harvest days for 35 years as a pastor, you probably should kind of be good at what you're doing. 
And the reason sometimes we're not is because we don't build that notebook. We don't build that team. We, we don't learn from past mistakes or successes. So there ought to come a day we say, hey, I'm not bragging, but I ought to be pretty good at vacation Bible school. I, I've, I've had 42 of these as a pastor. And so that that's where you want to uh, – the, the level you want to get at when it comes to events. And I'll, I'll end by saying this. Churches of any size, 30 people, 40 people, 4,000 people, it doesn't matter. Churches of any size that lead their size churches in baptism, they do a great job with events. Yeah, that, that's one reason. That's very true, people. man. I tell you what, Steve Foster is a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate all that he brings to the table to help us think through evangelism, and in this case, event evangelism. Let me just remind you, we put together a brand new resource called No Sweat Evangelism. This is a way for you and a small group of you or others in your church really to learn how to share Jesus. So let me encourage you, visit nosweatevangelism.com. That's nosweatevangelism.com. And keep in mind at all times that if you need any help in evangelism or even thinking through a little further what event evangelism might look like in the context of your local church, please reach out to the evangelism department here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. We definitely want to serve you. At the same time, I want to thank you once again for joining us for this episode of No Sweat Evangelism. And as always, thanks a ton to our producer and editor, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Graham.